Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Inference Podcast. I am Michele, your host, and today I'm incredibly happy to have here with me uh, Rita Kozlov from Cloudflare. Welcome, Rita. How are you? I'm good. So excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, that's really exciting for me to talk with uh, someone coming from Cloudflare, uh, which is a company I love and I quite use daily uh, from, you know, uh, quite quite some time now. And it's really exciting to me to speak with uh, with someone coming from there. So I'm really happy uh, to have you here. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. Um, first of all, always love to hear from a fan of our products. Um, it's something that, uh, yeah gets gets us excited is to have people actually using what we're building. Uh, so as a bit of introduction of myself, uh, I'm Rita. I'm a director of product at Cloudflare. Uh, so I primarily focus on developer experience around the workers platform, which we'll be talking about today, which is Cloudflare's serverless platform. Um, I've been around at Cloudflare for, for a while, especially in tech terms. Um, I've been around for over five years. Uh, so I started out uh, originally as a solutions engineer, working with many of our customers, many of our enterprise customers, helping them get onboarded onto Cloudflare. And when Cloudflare Workers came out, it was uh, it felt like something that really had the opportunity to change not just the trajectory of the company, but the trajectory of how cloud computing works in general. Uh, so. Yeah, it's been great seeing it evolve so much over the past few years from just a small toy that allowed you to deploy functions to people now fully building applications on it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, so talking about the company specifically, I remember when I first started using Cloudflare, like, I don't know, eight years ago, maybe. Uh, yeah, it should be eight years ago. I remember I started using Cloudflare because of its CDN capabilities. And I've seen the company grow in many different directions. So uh, would you like to uh, tell us um, how Cloudflare is expanding those days to other forms of, you know, um, uh, computing capabilities or, you know, it's not just a CDN anymore. It's something bigger and better. I mean, uh, what would you like to share about the company today? Sure. So if you look at Cloudflare from the very beginning, I think we knew that we didn't want to be in the business of just moving bytes back and forth and that CDN was inevitably going to become a relatively commoditized business, right? Uh, so if that's all you're doing, um, there's going to be competition in, in the space and we, we wanted to provide so much more than that. Uh, and even for folks that have been following us for a while, uh, I think there are some really interesting announcements that we've made in the early days that really made us stand out as a player that sought uh, not just to help accelerate websites, but really make the internet better. Um, and I think one of those really interesting early investments was giving free SSL to, any, to everyone, uh, which was pretty unheard of at the time. Uh, Cloudflare was the first one to do so. And so I think that really set the company on a course where at all times we're thinking about how do we build a smarter network? Um, and how do we, as we grow out the network, right, as we invest in having more and more data centers in the world, what are all of the different ways in which we can leverage it to offer new services? So today, um, I would say there are kind of three big areas of investment. Uh, one is the core bread and butter of the company, uh, which is DDoS, CDN, DNS, all of your infrastructure needs, right? 
Um, then the second category uh, that we'll be talking about today is the developer platform. Um, so what all do you need to build an application? Uh, and the way that Cloudflare arrived at this, um, and this is also quite a bit deep in our DNA, is we make lots of bets. Um, we have an entire organization that workers is actually under called uh, ETI, which stands for Emerging Technology and Incubation, um, that runs many different experiments and some of them uh, are less successful than others. Like a really early bet that we took was um, building out support for AMP. Um, because what if, um, what if AMP became the future of how everything was cached and all the traffic one day went to Google and Facebook? Uh, in retrospect, that's not at all what happened, right? Um, but if you don't yeah. make some wrong bets, you don't make the correct bets either. Um, so workers evolved out of that and then it became clear that we needed to build out additional um, services. And then the third area of invest, big area of investment today is around zero trust, um, which started out with Cloudflare's access product, which um, again, a different way to look at the network, right? Um, instead of the network as kind of a shield for your origin, um, the way to look at it now was the network as an authentication layer into all of your internal applications. Uh, so VPN is something we've all used at one point um, and most likely didn't enjoy. And so uh, looking at the network and going like, wait a second, if it can protect an origin, why can't it protect something else? So I imagine there will be other things that um, Cloudflare will develop that be like, wow, that was so obvious um, as a way to leverage the network. But those are kind of the, the current areas and then always listening to our customers and building out from there. Okay, so um, for example, the developer space, you um, you have compute, but you need storage. Well, what exactly do you need? Let's offer something small and then continue building on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm really excited uh, about the news that we will be talking about uh, later on during the episode. Uh, you just announced a couple of days ago, if I'm not wrong. And it's really exciting to see a company uh, moving in a direction where it's competing with giants in the, you know, in the cloud computing space. And it's doing that in the right way uh, by providing, uh, in my opinion, of course, but it's providing the right tools and uh, the right workflow for enhancing the user experience and also the developer experience, which is something that, you know, there are some providers that just doesn't care about it, but Cloudflare is of course, one of those that wants us to be happy as engineers and also as users. So that's really interesting and exciting for me. Um, talking again, again about serverless computing, uh, because I see Cloudflare is going in that direction uh, about providing a complete uh, serverless platform. Um, I would like you to define for those who don't know what serverless is yet, uh, if you can define in a few words what serverless is and what advantages does it provide? You know, I think serverless is a really funny term in that I think if we do it right, um, there's going to be a whole generation of developers that grow up that are very confused by that term because they're they're not going to understand what the word server means, right? Um, so okay. a, a, a common criticism of that word is, wait a second, there are servers running somewhere. But the whole idea is not that there aren't actually servers. The idea is that developers shouldn't care about servers. Uh, so I, as a developer, should be able to focus on what's really important to me uh, and my users, really, right? Um, building out the actual core logic of the application, adding, um, yeah, adding new features, um, making it better. 
but I shouldn't have to worry about um, everything from like the physical layer. Um, so buying maybe a, an actual box, but that was solved to an extent by VMs and cloud computing, right? Uh, and I think serverless takes it a, bit, a step further into, um, you know, not having to worry about things like how do I configure Kubernetes or multi-tenancy or how do I install Nginx and Apache and all of that kind of stuff. And the, uh, yeah, the whole idea is you snap your fingers and you create a new function. And the only thing that you should have to care about is the code. Okay. You, uh, you hit a point, you made a great point. I almost feel guilty for using yeah. the serverless word, but uh, I feel like I will never use that again because this is true. This is absolutely true. There are servers somewhere. We just don't care about them because there's someone else doing the hard work for us. That's absolutely true. And okay, so talking about cloud computing, I'm, I'm going to call this that way from now, uh, you know, from now further. Um, talking about cloud computer computing, um, I see Cloudflare competing with uh, um, big players, as I, as I said before, uh, in the industry, such as AWS or Google Cloud or also Microsoft Azure. Um, how do you see today um, Cloudflare to be positioned uh, well, while competing with those players? Uh, that's a really good question. I think uh, as it goes in a classic David Goliath situation, right, um, you're not going to beat them by being stronger or um, beat them by going head to head with them on their own turf. So I think the long term strategy here is to uh, somewhat leapfrog um, where they're currently at, right? So let's talk about some of the differences first. Um, cloud computing providers, as you know them today, are generally based around really large centralized data servers, right? Um, so GCP, for example, or um, AWS have these massive um, server farms that are located in relatively few, relatively speaking, few regions around the world. Um, the way that Cloudflare was built from the beginning is the complete opposite of that, right? Um, it's been distributed from the very beginning. Um, everything that we do, basically, we run at 200 data centers around the world. Uh, and so it creates almost uh, an inverse dynamic in how everything works. Um, because with traditional cloud, you generally start with one region uh, and then if the best case scenario happens, which is success, right? Um, you now have to start thinking about how do you expand into other regions um, if you care about users there and you care about latency. Um, even if you just care about um, your particular region, you now have to think about how do I scale this? Um, the way that um, Cloudflare is architected, like I said, is uh, the exact opposite of that. So you can start by having access to like every single region around the world. Everything that you build can be built for a glo global audience. And if you need to, uh, if you need to, you can narrow it down. Right. Uh, so with uh, recent regional restrictions and uh, laws like GDPR and data sovereignty and all of that becoming more and more relevant, uh, you can always tell Cloudflare like, hey, I want my things to only be served out of here uh, in order to be compliant. But it's an opposite model from, um, you know, going back to, you know, you asking me, like, what does serverless mean? What could uh, I think it's very ironic that the very first thing that you have to do when you deploy a serverless function like Lambda is it asks you, what region do you want it in? Um, do you want it in US, uh, in, uh, yeah, US East 1 
Um, and that makes me think about servers, right? Because that's why you're asking me. It's like, where do you want me to put the server? Um, whereas I think Cloudflare has a very unique opportunity to take that concept so much further and really allow developers to not really think about that. Okay, thank you for your explanation. That That's really clear. And once again, I, I'm finding myself to, you know, learn many new things during this episode already. So <laughs> thank you personally for that. Um, you already mentioned um, AWS Lambda. So um, that opens, uh, you know, uh, paves the ground for my next question, which is uh, what are Cloudflare workers? I mean, uh, we already discussed uh, the distribution model for uh, Cloudflare uh, infrastructure. And now I would like to ask you uh, about Cloudflare workers, which if I remember correctly, it's your main focus area inside Cloudflare, right? That's right. Um, uh, I, I, I love all of the Cloudflare products, but if I had to pick a favorite. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so uh, Cloudflare workers are um, Cloudflare's functions as a service. service. Um, so the way that they work is they allow you to deploy uh, JavaScript functions that instantly get distributed to it, uh, all of Cloudflare's network edge. Um, the, the way that they were, came to be is actually really interesting. And I think it's a really good story of, um, how constraints can sometimes lead to, uh, really interesting innovation that kind of takes things a step further. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier the, the way that workers work is you write a simple JavaScript function and it gets deployed everywhere. Um, one distinction between, um, workers and something like Lambda, in addition to the difference between where they get deployed to is the how. Um, so Lambda, the way that it works, uh, and that's how most traditional functions and service services work, um, is behind the scenes. Uh, every time you deploy a Lambda, a container spins up. Uh, with Cloudflare workers, um, we spin up something that's called a V8 isolate. Um, so whether or not you know it, uh, you're actually already familiar with V8 isolates um, because they run in the browser. Um, that's how Google Chrome um, basically protects um, each one of your um, each one of your tabs, right? Each one of your sessions, and make sure that um, JavaScript can't break out um, and, and um, create security problems for you. And so it, it's a really secure model for running compute. Um, but a really big difference is they're much much smaller than a container, um, and a big part of that is uh, the runtime is always, the language runtime is always included. Um, and so the only thing that we have to bring in every single time is the code. Um, everything else is already there. Whereas with something like Lambda, uh, you have to instantiate kind of the entire thing every single time. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's an interesting talk. Um, I didn't know the whole, you know, structure behind, um, uh, the Cloudflare workers. This is incredibly interesting and I can clearly see that the approach, the taken approach is way different from other competitors such as, of course, Google Cloud Functions or AWS Lambda and um, Azure Functions, I think they're called. And that's, that's really interesting. Um, one thing I personally like about what Cloudflare is becoming is um, how it's integrating uh, with a whole suite of products that can really help us uh, build complete applications um, running on the Cloudflare in infrastructure. So um, would you like maybe to talk about how Cloudflare workers can integrate with a Kiwi storage or Cloudflare cache or other products that you have in the Cloudflare suite? 
Sure. Uh, I actually think that the integration part of it um, is a really key part in what uh, makes it so much easier to use. Um, so I'll tell you a few different uh, integrations that um, Workers works with. Um, so first of all, um, I'll, I'll actually, I'll start with the cash um, because it's it's been our good friend um, since since day one, right? Um, so actually, without um, without having to configure anything on the worker at all, um, you immediately get access to the Cloudflare cache and are able to take advantage of it. Um, so whenever uh, you call fetch from a worker, um, which is the same fetch as uh, the JavaScript standard library fetch, right? Um, uh, if you're fetching something like a static asset, uh, it's going to adhere to uh, to the standard cache controls, and if it can be cached, it's going to be cached in the Cloudflare cache. Um, now, uh, there's an additional API that's introduced through the workers' runtime called the cache API, which gives you even more granular control over the cache. So you can take anything, um, whether it's an asset that you just fetched, or maybe you just made a pretty expensive calculation or created some content, right? And you want to um, put it in the cache so that you don't have to rerun that computation every single time. Um, and so... Uh, the the cache API gives you this great access to ephemeral storage. It's not going to be there forever, but uh, or a really great example of something you might use it for is an authentication token, right? Um, it, you only need it to be there for X amount of time. Worst case, you can always re-authenticate and issue a new one, right? Um, uh, you can... Uh, you can be pretty self-assured that you'll the customer will reliably always hit the same data center. And so, yeah, you can store it in the cache. Um, and it's basically, uh, it's also like a key value store, but ephemeral. Um, and then you have workers KV, which uh, unlike the cache API is permanent. Um, so it's really easy to configure. Um, you can go in through the UI and create a new namespace. And uh, the concept is super, super simple. Um, you can create keys and values to go with them, uh, one of the kind of most basic primitives of computer science, right? Um, but what's really great about it is, again, it has really tight integration into workers um, and has uh, support for uh, custom APIs in the runtime, too. So if you want to retrieve something from AKV namespace, it's as easy as calling uh, namespace.get. Um, if you want to put something in it, it's as easy as calling .put. Um, so the idea is to give developers all of the tools that they need um, as, as kind of close to them as we possibly can. Um, and then one of our other products uh, that we actually haven't talked about so far, um, but is, is kind of a sibling of workers, is Cloudflare Pages. Um, so yep. Pages allows developers to... Uh, deploy static sites onto, again, Cloudflare's Edge. Um, and this is where uh, you can actually, again, leverage workers to take it beyond static and add dynamic functionality to it. And one of the things that we're working on is um, making that experience. Uh, we're always looking to make our products play as nicely together as possible. So one of the things that we're working on is making it even more closely integrated uh, so that whenever you put a particular um, function in the API directory of your project, we'll just deploy it as a worker, um, it'll just work. Okay, that's insane. I mean, um, I'm thinking about uh, the Vercel model uh, for, you know, deploying Next.js websites, where I, I, 
I think they're doing the exact same thing in certain ways where um, they're um, deploying static pages into a CDN, basically, and then uh, they are executing all the server-side rendered pages and the API pages uh, from uh, Lambda, because they're using Lambda underneath. And I'm thinking that maybe that uh, that's a great solution that Cloudflare could provide. Um, I mean, it's, it's not something I'm inventing, it's something I'm thinking that could work, <laughs> of course. Um, and the advantages I see in such solution, it's incredible. Um, because of course we are running at the edge. We are not relying on a single region deployment. We are executing our server-side renderings and our API calls um, on a distributed network of uh, data centers, which is incredible when I when I think how how I currently think about distributing my applications. So uh, this is a real point of interest for me, and I will definitely check this out. Um, this is really, really interesting, and thank you again for sharing this, uh, because this is um, possibly a game changer uh, for many developers working with uh, um, frameworks such as Next.js or Next or, you know, that kind of uh, front-end frameworks, of course, that needs some server-side code. And, okay, uh, talking more about uh, Cloudflare workers, I would like to ask you uh, maybe to talk about the pricing model, if you, if you, if you like. Uh, because I've seen um, a very competitive pricing model around Cloudflare workers, and I would like you maybe to explain that to the audience. Absolutely. Um, so Cloudflare workers actually has two, uh, two different pricing models, and you can opt into whichever one uh, makes more most sense to you, depending on um, depending on what you're building, right? Um, because we know that there's a big variety of use cases that people are building on workers. Um, and so I'll start with um, workers bundled. Um, so the way that it works is, first of all, one thing that I should note is uh, either way, uh, Cloudflare Workers offers a really, really generous free tier. Um, so including the free tier are 100,000 requests per day. Um, and just to give you a good uh, sense of order of magnitude, um, which is basically what we aim for is if your project goes live uh, on Hacker News um, and is trending on the front page, um, generally 100,000 requests should be enough to last you the day um, okay. with that traffic <laughs> spike, right? Um, so, so that's kind of the idea. Uh, so anyone should be able, the idea is anyone should be able to get started uh, really easily um, w without having to put down a credit card or anything like that. Um, and then when you, and actually I'll also mention that KV also has a free tier. Um, so no matter what you're building, you should be able to get started. Um, then uh, for most basic use cases, we have what's called workers bundled. Um, so it's $5 a month. Um, you get, I believe, uh, 10 million requests a month included wow. in that. Um, and uh, yeah, the only thing that, and then it's uh, 50 cents for each additional million requests. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you can really do a lot with it. Um, it's limited to 50 milliseconds of CPU time. Um, and this is where I think it's really important to pause for a second to make a really important distinction. Um, because a lot of people hear 50 milliseconds of CPU time and think, that's not enough time for me to do most things. Um, what if I need to make an API call? Um, the network time alone is going to take more time than that, right? 
Um, well, the interesting thing with CPU time is that um, we're only counting the time that the worker is doing any actual work itself. Uh, so any network calls or anything like that um, don't count towards that time. So in terms of uh, what you can do with the worker is quite a bit. And I, I can also say, I think the vast majority of workers I've seen take, um, everyone thinks that their code is going to take a very long time and is very complex, but most of it takes like five to 10 milliseconds, if that. Okay. Um, and you can keep us honest, you'll get like graphs and metrics and all of that. Um, now for heavier compute use cases, uh, we also have um, workers unbound. Um, it is uh, similarly inexpensive. So I think uh, like 15 uh, <coughs> cents per, per million requests. Um, but there you also get a variable on, um, on the time that the worker is spending. And that one is um, based on wall clock time, but you can go for as long as, um, the worker can go for as long as 30 seconds if you needed to. Um, so it really opens up a lot of options. Um, and especially I think that's more compelling for things like uh, cron jobs where you maybe wanna do some sort of transformation or something like that, that might be a bit more computationally expensive. Um, but yeah, the, one of the benefits, I, I talked earlier a bit about uh, how workers are different from something like Lambda in that they use um, isolates rather than containers. And one of the benefits, like we always talk about things like technologies, right? And it's one thing um, that there's cool, innovative technology, but I think the really important part of it is uh, in terms of the value that it actually brings back to the users. And one of the things that it actually allows us to do is because we're able to fit so many more isolates um, per machine, right, than you would be able to do with containers, it allows us to pass those cost savings onto our users, um, which is why you're able to get um, such, such good pricing out of it. Okay, thank you. Um, I was one of those uh, that thought, okay, 50 milliseconds maybe are too small for me, but <laughs> eventually I tested them myself and found out that they are absolutely enough for the vast majority of my problems. And I gotta say, if your code on CPU time takes more than 50 milliseconds, maybe a Lambda or a worker, it's not well suited for um, that kind of uh, program. Let's call it program. Okay, so uh, that that was my idea after uh, you know mm, working a bit with workers, of course. And one thing I've tried, and I'd like to ask you: um, as for now, if I remember correctly, workers only accepts JavaScript as language, right? That's right. Um, we support some other languages through WebAssembly. Uh, so actually, just the other day, we announced. Um, much better support for Rust, um, where Rust now basically has um, all the native APIs that we support for JavaScript um, included in it. Um, because of the model, you're not going to see support for thing for um, uh, for languages like Python maybe as quickly. Um, but uh, anything that can be compiled to WebAssembly can be run on workers as well. Okay, thank you. That's that's really interesting. And also, every single language that can compile to uh, JavaScript can be used. I mean, I think of um, Scala, for example, or Clojure with Clojure Script. Uh, we, we we can basically run uh, 
ton of languages on Cloudflare workers by compiling them to JavaScript and maintaining the developer experience we love with our uh, languages of choice. So that's that's an interesting thing. And we even have um, we have some templates uh, to get started with those as well. Um, so you actually don't have to wire up all the tooling yourself in order to compile things into JavaScript. Uh, if you use Wrangler, which is our CLI, and go to our docs, um, you'll see that we have, um, yeah, uh, links to templates that you can just um, copy-paste into Wrangler Generate and get bootstrapped with them. Oh, yeah, thank you. That's that's a nice suggestion. And also talking about your CLI, I was almost forgetting about that, but I definitely want to talk about that. Um, uh, I tested Cloudflare workers locally with your CLI, uh, which is awesome, but I would like you to introduce maybe the tools that Cloudflare is giving developers for uh, developing um, workers locally. Absolutely. Um, so Wrangler is our official Cloudflare CLI. It can help you do things like deploy your workers, um, but it can also help you with uh, local development and debugging. Um, so I actually think this is quite interesting. Uh, one of the the first tool that we introduced to Wrangler to let you uh, to, to give you the instantaneous feedback that you need while you're developing is Wrangler Dev. Uh, and what's really interesting about it is that unlike a local development, a traditional local development environment, it actually connects to the edge. Um, and um, if you think about it, the edge is already so close to you um, because there's probably a data center um, within milliseconds of you. Um, that you still get that really fast feedback loop um, whenever you're iterating, but you're also getting the benefit of, because it's actually running on the edge, uh, not ending up in a scenario where you're like, oh, I tested it and it works fine on my machine, uh, and then you deploy it and then something entirely different happens. Um, however, um, people do love to still develop um, truly locally and like maybe you're on a train, on a plane, et cetera. Um, and so we actually um, just last week announced um, that we were going to integrate a tool called Miniflare into our CLI um, that's a local emulator of the workers environment um, that has really, really great uh, developer experience and makes it really easy to develop with workers. Uh, wasn't Miniflare a community supported project or am I wrong? It, you're absolutely right. Uh, it came from a community contributor of ours named Brandon. Um, he graciously agreed to come on to uh, our team as an intern. Um, uh, clearly has a bright future ahead of him. Um, and yeah, it, it was really great to see that kind of tool come from the community and the community embraced it uh, so much that it was a no-brainer to um, uh, officially support it. Okay, yeah, I was surprised when I when I saw it migrating from um, um, a single profile account on GitHub to the Cloudflare organization, and I I was really um, really happy to see people succeed in that way because it's really inspiring. Uh, I guess not just for me but for the whole development community, and and that's something great that I want to highlight when I talk about Cloudflare. I mean. Uh, taking the ownership of such projects uh, coming from the community, it's not something common from big companies. And that's another bonus point, I would say, for Cloudflare, because it shows how um, the company can care about the community, uh, which is something really, really special, uh, again, when compared to other uh, solution providers. 
I was just going to say, um, we care about our community a lot. Um, and, uh, we, we just, um, created a discord for workers, um, about a year ago. Um, and it's incredible the things that people build and seeing people meet each other. And like you said, the tools that come out of the community. Um, and it's something that that's, I think, really important to the success of the platform. And yeah, we're, we're really supportive of and are going to continue to support. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really, really nice to see. And I would like to go into the conclusion for this episode that has been incredibly useful. How do you see the future of Cloudflare um, as a complete cloud provider? We already talked about many uh, new stuff that Cloudflare just announced, um, but what can you spoiler us for, for the future? Well, let me put it this way. Um, we, we talked earlier about um, the other big cloud providers and how Cloudflare is rethinking it in terms of, okay, if we were to do it, um, now knowing what we know now in 2021, right? What would that future look like? Um, and we started out um, with workers, right? Which is compute on the edge. Um, and today uh, today we announced um, R2, which is an S3 competitor. Um, it's our object storage um, that we're gonna give to developers. Um, and we're gonna continue developing more and more of these primitives that our customers are used to having in um, their compute providers uh, to unlock more types of applications being built. Uh, so one thing that I think back to um, is when AWS was first started, the first kind of three core services were um, S3, EC2, and SQS, right? Qs. Um, so, um, you know, make of that what you will. Um, but certainly that's something that we want to support in the future too. Um, and yeah, I think we'll continue building out more and more things that make developers' lives easier. Okay, thank you, Rita. That has been an incredible episode. Um, thank you again for being there. I really wish you uh, a great future at Cloudflare. And I really wish to have you again maybe in the future when you when the Cloudflare team is uh, you know, rolling out something new uh, because I truly believe uh, this is going to create some good competition in the cloud computing field. So thank you again and hope to see you soon.